Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here as a part of the Steel Curtain Network. And I am really, really excited for today's show, Monday Morning Conversation, and had a first-timer on. Now, those of you that followed me on Twitter, you might have seen an interaction I had with former Steelers offensive lineman Trey Essex. Tried to get Trey on the show. Schedules didn't really line up. We're going to work on that this offseason. But I went with someone I've never had on the show before. I wanted to think outside the box. And if you're wondering, like, well, Jeff, what about the news? There was no Steelers news this weekend. I mean, there was no news. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. There was nothing. So I'm going to just let you – we're going to get right into this podcast. and We're going to get right into this Monday morning conversation with Rory Countryman. You might have heard that name before. If you follow Jim Wexel, who I've also had on the show multiple times, Jim Wexel has a whole – crew that writes for Steel City Insider, and Roy does all the NFL draft stuff for his website. And so I had been following his content for a while. Come to find out, I didn't even realize this, when I took over as editor from Neil Coolong at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, that website's, that website still exists, by the way, uh, he actually was someone that contributed to the fan post section, and I had promoted one of his articles, and he was just really happy. He'll talk about that in our Monday morning conversation, but when I had him on, and this this interview was awesome. I mean, you want to know a little bit more about the draft. You want to get some a scout's perspective on the Steelers and what they might do, the combine, all that stuff. You're going to enjoy this podcast coming up with Roy. So make sure you stay tuned. We're going to take an early break. Come back. You're going to get all of that conversation right after this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Roy Country. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back. Monday morning conversation time, and this is a we have a first time ever on the podcast. You know, most of the time when I started doing this Monday morning conversation last off season, I, I've gone back to the well a couple times. But I was like, you know, let's get some fresh blood in here, and so I welcome Roy Countryman, who contributes to Jim Wexel's website, SteelCityInsider.com. Roy, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. We were just chatting here about the draft and. Uh, this is really my my time of the year. This is kind of like my Christmas time coming up through here. We just uh, made it through the first winter snow. That was the Senior Bowl and the All Star Games. Yep. Now we're getting into the combine, and it's 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 my Christmas time. So I can't wait to come to fruition. Yeah, it's your time to shine, and it's time for people like me to be idiots and have no idea who <laughs> you're talking about. I don't I don't really follow college college football. Let me ask you that. Do you? How do you do this? And let's, uh, you're a draft nut, and you're—I would call you all a draft nicks. 
Yeah. How in the world do you keep tabs on all of these teams? Like that's my biggest cut on college football is there's so many teams and so many prospects like how in the hell am i supposed to follow all this stuff how do you do it <laughs> so uh, a lot of times it's uh it's it's kind of hard so i don't have no allegiances when it comes to college football so i'll okay. get that out of the way first of all when you if you're going to make me pick between Pitt and penn state i've always been more towards the pit side but uh okay. but i have no allegiances so basically i'll watch a college game that's how it started and it's just guys that piqued my interest or you're looking at the list from the previous year. You always have a hype list per se um, that, that come out every year. And, I, and I'm the names escaping me. One of the biggest college football magazines to come out. It always had the NFL draft scout. That was the biggest list for anybody that's in the media side. That was like the wish list. You always went to that as your honey hole. Uh, of players to keep an eye on. They have usually over a thousand to 2000 names of guys that you really looked into and you would just kind of keep tabs on that for the senior players. And then whenever it came to underclassmen, it was really just the ebb and flow of a college season. Some guys rise, some guys fall. Maybe they don't come out that year. Maybe there's an injury. You keep that name tucked away in the back of your head and you scribble it down, maybe on a piece of paper. And then you just go back and you, you kind of go back and watch some tape of them and start projecting them to a role to the next level. Gosh, it's a labor of love, I guess. Uh, yeah, to me, like that would be exhausting. I mean, it's tough for me to follow 53 players on a Steelers roster and a 16 man practice squad, let alone thousands of seniors that are about to become draft eligible. But, you know, I, I want you to give you the, the listeners out there who might not know who you are, what you do. Tell them what you do for gym site, for other sites, uh, your background, all that good stuff. Let them know. Well, uh, I've been blessed uh, with a lot of good people in my life. So um, I, I, I'm kind of a, a three-pronged attack. Uh, I'm not a, a football scout 100% per se. Uh, I, I have a day job. <laughs> I work at a state <laughs> park in Pennsylvania. Uh, so that's I get to do that seasonally from about uh, March till about Thanksgiving. So I get laid off uh, right about the time whenever draft season's kicking off. So it kind of works out for me. I get to go enjoy the great outdoors. And then I come indoors and I start watching football nonstop. Uh, and I have, I have a beautiful wife, Melissa. We've been married over uh, 13 years. Two little boys. They're very supportive in all this. And a mom that really backed me up along the way. And I, we were just talking when we started here. I was actually somebody that was posting right on your fan post on Behind the Steel Curtain. That's where my first exposure kind of came to this. Um, I wrote some uh, an article about like under the radar guys that were on the practice squad and you guys put it up on the front of the site. And it was like my, my biggest, you know, refrigerator moment of, of 10 years or so. And then uh, I, I actually was exposed to a class called sports management worldwide. Um, I took a course there called scouting and general manager course. Um it's kind of more of an added on type thing. If you have a, a lot of college experience, which I didn't, uh, I was just blessed to really get to know a lot of the instructors and stuff and whatnot from there. And uh, that was Russ Landy, who is an actual NFL um, scout. Uh, he worked in the CFL and also the XFL, the first itineration way back in like 2000. Um, then Mark Dominic, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer GM was one of our other mentors there. Uh, another gentleman, John Wooten, who um, was the left guard for Jim Brown back in the day. Mm. Um, so these were all guys that have worked in the industry. He also helped build the Cowboys of the 70s 
and up through the Eagles and then the, the Ravens whenever they first came about. So there was a lot of experience there. And then there was another guy, a gentleman by Dr. Lynn Lashbrook. It's actually his company. Uh, they He's actually an agent. So you get a little bit of exposure on everything. You get some CBA knowledge. You get the scouting background. Um, and Russ uh, was a guy that I really befriended along the way. He loved my work and my eye for talent. After I wrapped up the course, um, he offered me an internship with him at his own company. And I scouted for him for quite a few many years. Um, it was mostly Pac-12 type stuff. Um, maybe some, I'm trying to think, wherever Aaron Jones was at, because that was the year it was Aaron Jones and, and Larry Joby, All them guys, I scouted for him back in the day. Um, so his company was called GM Junior Scouting, and then it went to a name change excuse me, after he was hired to the CFL, it went to infectious scouting. Once he went to the CFL, he kind of put that on the back burner. So I had to look for another opportunity. I got uh, the call from a, a small company called Blitzalytics, um, wound up becoming their director of scouting. And I had a staff of scouts underneath me. We scouted the entire draft for a few years. They actually helped me get an opportunity. I, I, I had a project behind the scenes that I've been working on that I always wanted to do. I actually published two books along with a staff there. It was called The Prospect Encyclopedia. And it kind of makes me laugh whenever you're saying about it. It's exhausting with thousands of players. We had all 32 NFL teams. We had 22 players on each of the 32 teams. Uh, and it was kind of similar to the article I had for you guys here uh, behind the steel curtain. It was the lower end guys. It was only players from like three years or lower could only have starred like four games or below or 11 games or below. And it just got to the point where it was a labor of love and it wasn't a lot of, you know, reaping of the rewards. So I had to put that on the back burner. And that's when I really took a bigger step in here with Jim. He's gave me a lot of opportunity and leeway to write about draft. He's also let me cover spring uh, training camp down the field uh, a couple of times and gain some exposure more on the writing side. He's been a great mentor and just been doing a lot of different things and, and hoping this is going to be something maybe in the future I can, I can continue with, but uh, I just love scouting football. It's, it's, it's in my blood, it's in my DNA um, and I love to do it. So it's, it's just kind of fun. So I have my own scouting company now on the back end outside of writing. It's called big country scouting. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out, my website is prospectencyclopedia.com. Um, it's kind of harkening back to the book that I, I, I produced. So uh, it, it's just kind of fun for me to sit back and relax. And, and I have some other things in the store, probably not for this draft class, but for next year, I have a really good friend. It's a graphic designer. We're trying to get some football card-esque uh, scouting reports together. So it's a lot easier to, to keep track of. Um, but it's just it's just fun for me to sit down and watch football and, yeah. and talk talk ball with anybody. What a cool story, though, man. Like, that that's awesome. Like, my story with Behind the Steel Curtain, which I'm not going to get into that, is just so winding, you know? And sometimes it is. And when you find that 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 end point, it's, it's, sometimes it's worth all that, the grind, so to speak. But it's a good reminder for all those people out there listening. If you go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you can write a fan post article just by having an account. And it's also a good reminder to me that I need to look into those fan posts more <laughs> often than I do and promote some of those to the main page because it's there's some good stuff. Uh, and so he's a draft, Nick, I'm not, but Roy, you're also a Steeler fan. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they're, right. They've always been my heart and soul in football. There you go. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the draft. We're also going to bring uh, some Steelers aspect into this thing. So the, my first question is 
I feel like even myself, and I am the furthest thing from a draft, Nick, that you'll ever find, you know the top-tier players. And I would honestly say that rounds one and two for me, like you see the names coming off the board, you're like, oh, I remember looking at this guy. I heard about this guy, what that position, blah, blah, blah. Then you get into rounds three through seven, and this is when it gets thin. And this is when the people like yourself, uh, Andrew Wilbar at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, he's a draft nut, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that guy went to this team in the fifth <laughs> round, thinking, I don't even – who? I wouldn't know that guy from Adam if I saw him on the street. Yep. So I want to ask about positional depth in this draft. Everyone talks about, like, for instance, in, in last year's class, horrible quarter, horrible, horrible quarterback class. Yeah, that's yeah. what everyone said. This year's draft, better quarterback class, yet they're saying, at least right off the bat, the defensive line is not as top-heavy as it was in the past. I want to know, in your opinion, you could give me what, however many positions you want. What are some of the deepest positions in terms of talent that not can that, that not just can be acquired in rounds one and two, but those three through seven, like there's still some really good value with these players. What are some of those positions in this year's draft? So I... I went through this uh, before we jumped on here. So I really have five positions okay. that, that I, I, I like the depth. You can get guys, you know, the upper end guys are always going to be, you know, the, the cream always rises to the top, but you're mm-hmm. going to get a solid player even in that, that selection area you're talking about. So you're looking at corner, you're looking at edge rushers, you're looking at tight ends, running backs, and also center, which is really rare. Um, usually you only get one to two maybe starting caliber centers, that you can really, you know, put your finger on, say these guys are going to be pivot men for a decade. I think we might have close to three to five, and it's going to be. I think we're going to see how how evaluators in the front offices are valuing these guys compared to other positions. Because you know, if you look back on a philosophy on how you build a team, especially you look at the Bill Polians and the successful people like Parcells. You go with the oddities. You go with the guys that are hardest and the highest paid. So your passers, your pass catchers, the ones that get the quarterback, and also shut down your pass catchers. Are you going to value these guys over maybe a running back that's way better than a cornerback? It's going to be hard. You're going to see how you're valuing you know, your running backs and your centers maybe at the tail end of the first round over some of these other ones. So that's where it, it comes into play for me is, positional value where is it placed now in the front offices are you going to look towards that or are you going to just take the quality of the player and the upside he possesses so i gotta ask you and you can say no to this if you haven't you know the steelers with kevin colbert it would be like well we know how they value those positions because you've had 20 plus years of of drafting background there well now with Omar khan in the mix and then you also see andy weedle coming over from philadelphia and also baltimore have you done any research on where they value things? Maybe not so much Con, but Weedle at least. Have, where is that value in your opinion? Yeah, Weedle is a guy. I mean, Jim is a great guy to get insight on Con because he's been around him a yes. lot on the sidelines. Weedle, you can look back through his draft. He has always built through the trenches, and it's always either been through offensive or defensive line. And if it ain't a guy there, it's usually edge rusher or corner. So, you can kind of see the tea leaves kind of tipping that way, but we also know that Khan's going to have a great big saying of this. Uh, Weedle's going to be his right-hand man. You look, you can't really argue with the facts of what was just in the Super Bowl, um, even though they weren't able to to beat the Chiefs. That was a juggernaut on the front, on the front yeah. lines there, both on offensive line and center. We already have a, a quality young quarterback that you want to nurture. 
similar to the way Jalen Hurts was in Philadelphia. If you put a quality offensive line in front of him, do we see that growth in the second year like we just seen with Jalen Hurts? We have a veteran defensive line in Cam Hayward, kind of similar to the Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox dynamic that you just had in Philadelphia. But they also have some young guys like Josh Sweat and, you know, young individuals like Milton Williams that took a back seat and were the second crew that came onto the field and really wreaked havoc along the defensive line. So it's a bad, it's a bad combo not having the depth of the defensive line in this draft for Weedle. But I think you're going to see if there's a if there's a guy that's really highly ranked on their board that's in the trenches and one of these corners maybe drop out, we might see them take the swing on on the trench player over maybe a receiver um, just because of the philosophy that he's going to be bringing here. You may have just answered my next question, which was a follow up to kind of what you were talking about. And that was if you were to take a guess, so pick number 17, if, and let's just assume they stay there. There's no trading with the Steelers pick. If they stay at 17, what would be a position, not a player, just a position that would surprise a lot of people that they go after? I mean, we've all seen the mock drafts with cornerback. I mean, heck, we've even seen them with wide receiver. I'm not buying that so much for myself, but some people are. If there was a position that they were like 17, the Steelers pick, and everyone's thinking, whoa, I didn't see that coming, what position would that be in your opinion? Uh, it, it would actually be edge rusher. Um, oh, and, wow. and it's a yep. lot, a lot of it just goes to, you I know, just said it. Whoa. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's, it, but it's going to have to be a quality player that drops, you know, if we have the dynamic, you read the mock draft same way as I do. And even front offices now are coming out and say, yeah, we read them. Doesn't mean we take them into effect, but we right. put them into our equation just to know how the fan base is going to react. If we have a guy out of left field that gets selected. But if you have a guy that's there and you think, you know, it's all going to depend a lot on Alex Highsmith. If we mm -hmm. see Alex Highsmith become a priority, um, even during the beginning stages or the mid stages of free agency of securing him to a long-term contract, then I might walk that statement back because we know we have both, you know, bookends taken care yeah. of. But as of right now, he's only one year left. And what depth do you have behind him? Malik Reed is gone. It wasn't that great to begin with. Are you going to bring Bud Dupree back? Who's likely to be a cap casualty. Yeah. He's had injury issues. Our, our front seven is known for wreaking havoc on the quarterback. And I hate to say this. I love TJ Watt. He is 29 years old and you can't keep playing him at, you know, a 95% plus clip of plays. So snap counts make, make you wear down even more in this league than the hits. You got to get these guys be able, you know, we, we were just talking about the Eagles here earlier. They had a second entire crew, a rotational uh, crew to come in, whether I was edge rushers and defensive linemen. Andy Weedle was there and helped build that. Are we going to see that come here? That's why it wouldn't surprise me if one of these long, lengthy, and you know, powerful pass rushers dropped a 17 and maybe one of these guys that, you know, the Joey Porter Juniors that you're seeing mock draft to there, or maybe Broderick Jones, a tackle, ain't there. Maybe they go for the edge rusher just to say, we want to keep both of our guys fresh, keep rotating them in. And especially if Highsmith is not a priority, which I think they're going to take care of them. I, I, I could really see that being, being a position that they target at 17. I'm all about the fan reaction. I, I've just learned to love it. I, part of me always wants the Steelers to take a really good player, but not a player that everyone expects so that the fans almost, you know, crap oh, yeah. and freak out. And then it ends up panning out and it works out anyways, but Okay. 
let's continue with this talk. And I want to get your opinion and you don't have to really tie this into the draft. This is just you as a fan of the Steelers. If you had to prioritize the top three team needs, or if you want to go more than three, we typically sometimes do five. What would be your prioritization of those team needs for the Steelers heading into the offseason? I'll, I'll go with your five because I'm always thorough. I love jumping okay. in. I'm talking ball. So cornerback, I think, is, is a pressing need. Um, I think Sutton's going to be taken care of. I think they know that. Uh, I think that's the moves you're going to see made. I think Cam Sutton's going to be re-signed whether it's a three or four year deal, but even with Sutton in the fold, you know, you look at this, a couple Witherspoon's probably going to get cut. Levi Wallace played good down the stretch, but who else do you have? Arthur Millette's a nice piece, a depth piece, mostly special teams can play nickel. But if we want to elevate this defense to a championship caliber defense, we need, we need better playmaking on the outside. We had that with Mink on the inside. We need a guy that's an alpha outside. Sutton's going to be a great, you know, Robin to somebody's Batman. I think that's where at 17, you're going to be able to clip a guy there, hopefully, whether it's the Joey Porter Jr. who has all the boxes that we talk about, the bloodlines, the intangibles. You know, he has the exact build that evaluators look for in an alpha cornerback that can be left on an island. And he already knows everybody in, in the building, you know, with his dad being there. So, I think corners the number one need. I also think defensive line is, but like we talked, it's going to be hard to address that early outside of, you know, trading up. And I don't see that happening. We just don't have the picks this year. So defensive line, I think is more of a depth. If a guy drops to that 32nd or maybe uh, the 50, 51st, 52nd, whatever it is, pick, don't be surprised to see a defensive lineman there just because Ogunjobi, even if he does come back, is having issues with his knee. Um, he, he's still a quality player. Wormley's hurt and also uh, an un, unrestricted free agent. And Cam Hayward's another year older. And the same thing we were talking about with Watt. The snap counts keep adding up. And the older you get, the harder that is. I love Cam Hayward. He's one of my favorite players of all time. But you got to keep bringing that youth and, and rotational ability there. So we need some quality depth. Okay. Excuse me. That's fine. And third one is linebacker. Um, who's starting right now? Miles Jack is still on the roster. Release. Is he going to take a pay cut? What's going to happen there? Or is that the place they address in free agency? Do we bring Spillane back? Even if Spillane does come back, he's more of a, I don't want to say hindrance on dime packages, but there's a reason why we were playing three safeties and we need two linebackers in our, in our equation here. Uh, fourth and fifth are both offensive. The first offensive positions, we need a guard, and I'm not saying right guard. I love what James Daniels did coming over from Chicago. Left guard, Kevin Dotson's play improved last year, uh, but he's a free agent after next year. I don't see them re-signing him. Uh, I know his ankles bothered him on and off. Um, when he has his flashes, they're great, but there's too far in between. I think we need consistency there. Left guard especially would be a spot. And receiver, if the right guy falls, I definitely could see us taking a receiver. I Calvin Austin, I think he's going to do well. The list Frank injury scares me a little bit with the speed receivers. I know they can come back from it, but Deontay's only signed till 25. Pickens is our next alpha guy here. We need that third wide out. And if Addison's still on the board at 32, I think Khan is running to the pulpit to give him the card. Because <laughs> I think that that is the ideal case if we're Steeler fans. 
Jordan Addison is on the board at 32. Nobody blows us away with a trade offer. We run to that pulpit and say, we got our alpha defensive guy in the first round, 32. Thank you, Chase Claypool, for now getting Kenny Pickett his favorite <laughs> go-to guy. She, Omar Khan will be – someone will outpace him, and his name is Kenny Pickett. He'll be the one running the card up to yep. the, uh, the commissioner himself. <laughs> yeah. That would be interesting. I don't think he's going to last till 32, but if he does, that would be really interesting. So good stuff there. Okay. Um, let me ask you about the NFL scouting combine. Sure. As I call it, the underwear Olympics. And yep, me too. <laughs> this is – we're not alone. Um, so – this is interesting because I saw actually on Saturday, no, I'm sorry, Sunday, pro football talk, uh, whether you like Mike Florio or not, he does keep a pulse out there of, with what's going on, talking about how a lot of NFL teams have not been sending their full coaching staffs at the combine anymore. I, I don't know. I guess I kind of get this feeling that it's not as important as maybe it once was. Maybe that's because of pro days. Maybe that's because of individual players just saying they're not going to fully test. And so it's not going to be worth their time. And now that pre-draft visits are back and they're bringing players in before the draft, they get to interview them there. What do you think about the scouting combine as a whole and what value do you bring out of it? I mean, the combine is, it's a mixed bag of sorts. Um, it does have its place. It was made for a certain reason the main reason was to get certified measurements on everybody, whether it was arm length, hand size, you know, height, weight. The The on-field stuff has taken a spectacle leap. And I think, you know, it goes with everything the NFL wants to do. It wants to overhype. It wants to, you know, make a spectacle, you know, be able to profit from it, which, hey, good for them having a great business model. But as far as an evaluator, when I sit back at, and, and look at this stuff, it's really just checking boxes. You're recertifying things that you already see because when you're watching tape on a player, you're already writing down, you know, this guy looks like he should run a 4-4. Now, if he runs a 4-5-1, a am I going to knock him two, you know, two rounds down? Absolutely not. You know, take Antonio Brown, for an example. He ran a 4-5-4, I believe, in the 40. How many times did you see him on the field completely leave guys in the dust? Yeah. It's a lot different whenever you have pads on, you know, it's, it's a whole different game. So for me, I always look at the on-field drills more than anything. I'm not a big fan of the 40 times outside of the outlandish outliers. You know, if a guy's six, four, or, you know, he's a defensive lineman, like Don Terry Poe back in the day, he was three thirty and ran a four or eight, whatever it was that makes you go revisit the tape saying, did I see that while I was, you know, scouting him? Was that in my notes? Did I see him be able to, you know, bench press a center off the line and then quickly close on a quarterback. It's trying to break out of the pocket. You got to go back and revisit that thing, but it, it shouldn't ever, you know, manipulate your grading system by rounds. It should be really just, shaving off the rest of the the entire picture down to the final product um more than anything the combine is used for the medicals uh, if you get a firm medical whether you know like a guy i'll give you for example pit tackle carter warren he went to the east west game he was only there to interview with teams um he had a uh, I believe it was a pec injury that ended his season he was a fifth year senior came back or a six-year senior came back with the covid year he was a high quality player. He has a lot of great snaps uh, on tape that you watch him. He might be the second or third best blindside protector in this draft. Nobody's talking about him because he was injured. 
Now, if he goes to the combine and they're talking about this injury may nag on into the first year or maybe something that contributes to a long-term type ailment, it's going to significantly affect his grade. So that's what you're looking at more than anything at the combine. And I've, and I've been to the combine in person. I've been to the senior bowl in person. If, and if I throw this out to any of our listeners, if you get a chance, go to the senior bowl, not the combine. <laughs> the combine, the combine, everybody's on a strict schedule. You know, your meetings, your interviews, the weigh-ins, the bench press, everything is so scripted and down to the final minutes. It's really a stressful time for everybody there. Senior Bowl, everything is laid back. You get to know these players more. You get to understand how coaching staffs and evaluators look at players and also get to know them as well. So to me, whenever I'm looking at how I get to know these players in a draft class, I would rather prefer to get get to know them intimately in Mobile than in Indianapolis. That's interesting. I, I I never would have thought that that would have been that much of a difference between the two. But, you know, you do hear a lot of, you know, interviews with Steelers scouts, and they talk about how um, the combine is like speed dating. <laughs> it's yeah, totally like pretty much. Boom, 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 and then they're out the door. It's tough to get a feel for the prospects. I always laugh when I hear people talk about I, – I was, I was on Twitter, and I was looking at the NFL speed, and they showed Justin Herbert's workout when he was – going into the combine they said justin herbert's accuracy was off the charts and it shows a, a a deep ball and there's no defense and the receiver just adjusts his route to catch the football i'm thinking i could do that i mean you <laughs> exactly. just throw the ball up there right <laughs> right we can all look like justin herbert in shorts you know and no pass rush coming at us but you get a yeah. guy that's six six three fifty running at us you know the four seven exactly. i'm out no thank you i'm, I'm good now I do have to ask you because you're you're obviously glued into the draft. Do you care about a quarterback's hand size? I do. Uh, it's something I take into effect, but it's not something you know. When Kenny Pickett was coming out, it's it's something you put into the final details. It's not something I'm going to significantly drop him unless he has, you know, the size of an infant size hand. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But if anything's over eight and a half, eight to eight and a half inches, I mean, and Pickett played in the rain here in Pennsylvania. We all can talk about how well, hell he played is. on Christmas Eve. It was like yeah. zero degrees and right. it is fine. So, right. Okay. And that's, that's all. And if you ever wore a pair of those gloves that they wear now, gosh, I mean, you can just throw it in the vicinity or even touch a football. They're going to be sticking to it. Yeah, so very sticky. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest things. you know, the hand size, even, and I'll throw this out there. Everybody's talking about Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern tackle. Um, he's probably going to measure in it right around 32 inch arms, maybe even a little bit lower, uh, right around that area. He's one of the best linemen I've ever scouted uh, technique wise. He, to me, I, you know, when I was looking at it, it's like, that's a new England Patriot offensive lineman. They're going to let him drop to like him and it'll be a decade long starter on a, on a deep playoff run. And everybody's gonna be like, Oh my goodness, the arm length wasn't there at 32, you know, 33 inches. Yeah. And Bill Belichick's going to be laughing to the bank. So you just, you take it into effect in the, in the total picture, but you don't knock people so far. Whenever my opinion, when you're scouting somebody, I'd rather tell you what they're good at than their drawbacks. Not saying I'm not going to highlight them if they're egregious, but you know, whenever you're building a team, I don't need to tell you what these guys can't do. I need to tell you what they can do because there's a role in you for a role on the team for you. If you can do certain things well. Yeah. All right, last question for you before I let you go. The Steelers have three picks in near the top 50. 
And that's extremely exciting. Sealer fans should be extremely excited. If you want to go specific players, that would be great. But if not, what positions do you see them addressing with those top three picks? Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot? Of course I'll do players. Oh, man. Of <laughs> hey, I, you, I, I you told you. me you did prep, but I didn't know how much. So okay, I, I right. got you. I've been on, in this draft class for a while. If he's there, because I think this combine performance is going to have a lot uh, on the line here. Uh, I think there is two cornerbacks in that that consideration for top 15 right now. I think it's Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon. Uh, if Joey Porter runs a 4-3 and has 35-inch arms, we all better be praying that nobody takes him before 17. Because if he's there at 17, I think that's the lock, stock, and barrel. That's the guy they're going to take at 17. Just too many tea leaves. Yeah. You know, Tomlin knows him intimately from from his kid up. They play a position of need. It's the athletic profile they want. He's an underclassman as well. They like younger guys. They can get them on the longer-term contracts. In the second contract, you know, as long as they're panning out, I love that fit for him at 17. I think Joey Porter would be be the guy. And I'll, I'll, I'll just roll right in here at 32. I kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm of the opinion we might see Jordan Addison tumble after this week. Really? What what, what makes him tumble? I don't think he's going to run as fast as what people think. And I think the the wide receiver group as a whole, to me, scares me this year. It's It reminds me of one a few years ago where – there was no elite guy that you can just put your hat on and say, that's the guy. Okay. To me, Jordan Jordan Addison reminds me of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, he can be a quality product at the NFL level, but am I going to spend a first-round pick whenever I can go get an edge rusher that's harder to find over a receiver that is maybe going to be the ceiling of a number two? I don't know. And especially whenever be- – that would be awesome. I mean, it would be crazy storylines galore if that were to come to fruition. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, I, I might be talking, you know, out the stars here, but I'm just going off my big board. My okay. big board at, at, on my uh, big country scouting, I believe I had him, like, 33rd. Okay. Um, and a lot of times, like, especially what you're going to see Quentin Johnston uh, from TCU put out there this weekend. And I, I really like Zay Flowers as well from Boston College. I'm trying to look here quick where I have him. Yeah, I actually have him 39th on my big board. Okay. So um, I I think Zay Flowers might be a little bit more uh, of a lead of an athlete than Addison. So I'm going to take Jordan Addison at 32. That's that's I'm just going to call it now. I hope it happens. Maybe I'm speaking it into existence, but that's what I'm hoping for there at 32. And then finally at 50, uh, the guy I want for our linebacking core is Diane Henley from Washington State. He was a former wide receiver turned linebacker. I think he also played safety. The dude's going to ball out at the combine this this week. He's going to probably run four fours. Uh, great coverage guy. Can also run sideline to sideline. Was a impact presence down there in the senior bowl. Um, Jim Nagy and all the scouts down there were a buzz about the impact he had on that defense. Washington State, he put up a big year this year. If you don't know who Diane Henley is, go check him out. That's who we were hoping drops to, to 50 right there. Sounds great. You heard it here first, folks. Hey, I want to have you back on the show after free agency, gearing up for the draft, if you're willing to do that. Um, but make sure you let, let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Let, let them know your uh, website information, all that one more time. Absolutely. And hey, thanks again, Jeff, for having me. I would 
graciously be able to come back on. I appreciate you having me. Always talk ball. On Twitter, look me up. It's at Preacher Boy Roy. Uh, go check out 24-7 Sports, the Steel City Insider, Jim's site there, all your draft content. You're going to have me. I believe Shane Hallam's back there. Uh, we've got a couple other guys do quality work there. Go check all them guys out and their work. Uh, check my website out, prospectencyclopedia.com. Uh, all my big boards will be there. Uh, my first mock draft, I think I'm going to try to get it together this week and, and drop it there. Uh, it's probably going to have some free agency predictions as well on that. So, yeah, anytime you get a chance, you want to talk ball, don't don't be uh, afraid to at me on Twitter or, or DM me. I, I'm, I'm always For free sure. to talk ball. All right, man. Roy, thank you very much. Until next time, take it easy. Yes, sir. And, hey, I always end my podcast always the same way. Stay humble be a blessing. I love it. We'll talk to you. All right, and a big thank you to Roy for taking the time uh, to talk. And, and those interviews, hey, like I, people have asked me before, like, do you ever stop them? No, I'm not going to stop people that are giving me good stuff. And uh, it was a great conversation. I got so much out of that for someone that's not as invested in the draft and the prospects as I am. For him to give us those three prospects at the very end of who he thinks or who he's predicting uh, will go to the Steelers. You might be listening to that thinking he is nuts. Hey, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and that's his. I trust his opinion, though, so take that for what it's worth. All right, that does it for me, folks. Keep in mind, Tuesdays are Tuesdays. That means you got to look out for the tweet. Follow me or find my Twitter account. At Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. On Tuesday around morning time, if I can remember, I will put out the tweet asking for questions for the mailbag segment. You provide the tweet. I provide the answer on Wednesday's Let's Ride podcast. So make sure you are on the lookout for that. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great start to your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. Go see you. Every night, sipping coffee, burning all till the morning.